Before we start today's podcast, I want to let all of you know that this interview took place back in January, long before all of our worlds got turned upside down. I'd also like to thank everyone who is still going to work and risking their own health in an effort to help others and put a stop to this virus. I know thank you doesn't cut it, but really, thank you. And now, here's the show. When I have kids, I'm going to make sure that whatever my mom was telling me, that I'm telling them because Mm -hmm. it makes it so much easier, you know, when you're in middle school and high school and you really apply yourself Mm -hmm. and it's just going to make college easier. Right. You form those habits. Exactly. Which is what my mom was trying to get me to do, but I wasn't listening because I was so, like I said, obsessed with basketball. Mm -hmm. Like I was like, school, I don't, yeah, I don't need school. I don't need school. But education makes life so much easier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you might not get a million dollar job or making a hundred million dollars or whatever it is, but it makes life easier. Mm-hmm. And that's what we, I think, kids and people in our generation fail to understand is education is not about making a hundred million dollars. It's about making life easier. Another season in the books. The podcast featuring professional athletes who have taken their careers overseas. We'll hear about their seasons, come and gone, the process, their struggles, and what it's been like living and playing overseas. We'll also talk academics and the differences between the European and the American systems. I'm your host, Leslie Knight, 12-year veteran in Europe's professional basketball leagues. Let's get to it. Hey everyone, welcome back to another week with another season in the books. This week, we talk with a guy who has been a basketball fanatic ever since the sixth grade. Dreaming big from a young age was the norm for this future point guard. And after years of early mornings, watching film, and perfecting his trade, he finally got his chance to suit up with no other team but the Boston Celtics. Philip Pressey has been passionate about the game of basketball ever since he can remember, and thanks to a tenacious inner drive, the game has taken him all around the United States, as well as Turkey and Spain. He's seen a lot, he's learned a lot, and he's constantly in a state of self-improvement, whether it's his three-point shot or the current class he's taking. He's getting better mentally and physically every day. And that's why he's had the chance to jump at certain opportunities, because he prepares himself for the moment and makes the best of it when it comes around. Phil, how's it going? It's going well. Um, what's today? I don't even know what today is. The 23rd? The 23rd, you know. Friday? Yeah. <laughs> As the basketball season starts, you kind of just, you know, go day by day. And, I mean, time is, yeah, time is the most important thing we have. But when it comes to basketball, you just practice, 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 and, you know, playing for the game. And you kind of lose track of time, you know? Yeah, I completely agree with you. Um, All right, well, could you tell me about your first um, sport memory? Like, when you were little, the very first memory you have. It doesn't have to be basketball. No, I mean, uh, I have a memory of my dad um, holding me up. You know, like, the tall guys, you know, they hold their kid up and they, you know, you put a basket... Okay. Yeah, I think I remember doing that with my dad when I was very, very young. Um, but like the most Yeah, you were probably less than four years old. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I was if you remember that, that's pretty yeah, good. Yeah, so that's probably why, you know, I'm playing basketball to this day. But my f- most, you know, vivid memory mm-hmm. would probably be uh me and my best friend now, um, Brandon Thompson, we had a, I think we're probably sixth grade, maybe fifth grade, fifth or sixth grade. San Antonio, Texas. Uh, you know, the YMCA. Yeah. Yeah. Y- <laughs> YMCA League, which is like a rec league that, you yep. know, everybody first starts playing basketball. And, you know, we're down four points, but four seconds, three seconds. We throw the ball in, three, two. He shoots a. Hail Mary shot. Gets fouled. Makes it. Ah. Has one free throw to win the game. No time left. Misses it. Ah. This is my best friend. <laughs> In sixth grade. In sixth grade. <laughs> he misses the free throw. 
And th- this is when, like, when you lose, it's like, like the end of the world, you know? He misses the free throw. You know, he's sad, but I'm just, like, bawling my tears out, crying, crying, crying. Like, how could you miss that free throw? How could you miss that free throw? Until this day, we talk about that. Like, that's like, you know, you know when you cry and you can't, like, breathe? Mm-hmm. Like, that's what I remember. You said my, my, my first memory of basketball, that's... That wow. was like my first taste. Of you were taking defeat. it seriously. Oh in yes, w- yes. rec league. Oh yes, sixth yes. Grade. I think that's when you know my parents probably knew that. You know, I took basketball very serious. Um, but then there was overtime, right? I mean, didn't you guys keep playing? No, we lost. We were down four. Oh, it was to yeah, tie the game. It was to tie the game. Ah. Yes, yes. This is like you know. <laughs> this is like life or death. Okay. You know? so, and you guys are still friends to this day. Oh yes, he was in my wedding. Um, yeah, we're just, uh, since we were, I think we were eight, so okay. we've had a friendship, you know, a lifelong friendship, which is, you know, hard to come by. Yeah. Um, so you obviously grew up in a sport-oriented family. Yes. Uh, parents, brothers, sisters, uh, were your parents athletes? Uh, you know, my dad, my dad played professionally, uh, NBA for nine years, coach for I mean, 20 plus years. Okay. Um, my mom played, you know, high school and college. Basketball. Basketball, yes. Um, but my mom's a athlete, doctor, uh, <laughs> uh, lawyer. Uh, wow. But she's not. But she, you know what I'm saying? You oh, know, mom, okay. You she know, thinks she does. What, what do you call it? They wear uh, white white hats. Okay. Is that is that what they call? Or it? they? She has. She wears a lot of hats. Yeah, a lot of hats. Yeah, okay. but she's just you know <laughs> doing everything, and it's because you know as a mother raising four kids. Yeah, you have a lot of opportunities to uh, you know come across. You know, being a doctor, kids get hurt. You gotta take them in. Kids get sick. Um, whatever it may be, but my mom has you know many hats. Um, my brother played with me in college for mm. two years at the University of Missouri. Um, older or younger? Older, older. So my freshman year, he was a junior. Um, That's my, gotta be kind of special. Oh yeah, I mean, it was. It, especially if you get along. Exactly, exactly. I've had a, you know, my life has been, you know, very, very good. You know, I have no complaints because every single year, every position I've been put in, I've been, you know, blessed to have, you know, a good, uh, surrounding of good people around mm-hmm. me. I have never really felt like, you know, lonely or left out. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's always a, a blessing, like I said. Do you guys play the same position? Uh, he was more of a shooting guard. Okay. Um, but we went to the University of Missouri with uh, head coach Mike Anderson, who's coaching at St. John's University now, who plays, like, positionless basketball. Okay. So. You know, your four-man is dribbling the ball up the court. Mm-hmm. So one, two, three. You know, it really didn't matter. You're just playing basketball. So, But I have an older sister who's four years older than me. Um, she played volleyball hmm. at uh, Cal Berkeley. Um, okay. She was a, a, a poster child. Like, when your parents talk about, you know, yeah, I want my kid to go to school, get straight A's. Uh be an athlete. She was all state and she set the bar real high for all you guys. <laughs> you know, real high. She uh, all state basketball, um, track and volleyball. Wow. So, who has the higher vertical then? Because I know uh, those she, volleyball yeah, players; they can she jump. Does. Yeah, she does. Yeah. Between you and her. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm <laughs> like, you know, I like to you know stay humble because you know that's my my oldest sister. But she was a uh, you know a special special athlete. Uh, and like I said, I kind of, you know, kind of looked up to her in a way that, you know, kind of helped me get me to where I am today. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I have an older sister who's six years older than me. And, you know, she has, she played basketball in high school, but, you know, she was more of the girly girl. Like, she mm-hmm. really didn't um, have the passion to play, which she could have played in college, but it just wasn't for her. But, you know, she was an athlete as well, but she she likes watching sports and, you know, but playing it, she just, it just wasn't for her. But, yeah, we have a family of uh, sports and, you know, it all starts from, you know, my parents who kind of, you know, paved the way. 
I think I did read because um, I didn't really know much about you or mm-hmm. your dad, so I had to do my research a little bit. But is it true that your dad was kind of the first? What do they call him? Like a power point, point guard, point point four, or point four? So yeah. he was like one of the first big guys or yeah. semi big guys mm-hmm. to play the role of a point guard. Yeah, you know he was he's six five, so he's kind of playing like you know small forward or like mm-hmm. you know kind of guarding bigger guys but he also has guard skills so okay. he was kind of you know one of the you know first people first people to you know first players to do that and everybody talks about it you know like oh your dad was the first point forward or whatever but you know I don't I don't see him <laughs> as that way well because he was his last year playing in the NBA like in 1986 mm-hmm. or something like that so you never yeah, had yeah, a chance yeah, nah, to I watch never, him I never saw him play uh-huh. um and then by the time you know I became of age, he stopped playing. Like right. no one on ones. Not <laughs> he used to play me and my brother um, two against one, uh-huh. and always cheat. So <laughs> <laughs> so we never got to beat him. So right. by the time I got to you know fifteen sixteen, where I, like I can actually really play against him, he does, he you never see him playing basketball again, which is very smart. Very <laughs> smart. So I can never say I beat him in one on one. Never. <laughs> Um, that's great. So then you, um, you grew up obviously in a very athletic, competitive, uh, sport oriented family. You got into high school. Well, at sixth, sixth grade, you were taking it pretty seriously. So your high school year, sophomore, junior, senior year, um, I'm sure you were just eating, drinking, sleeping basketball. Yeah. Yeah, You know, I was, I was a type of kid, you know, and I can remember it, you know, like it was yesterday. I had, you know, all the, the quotes and pictures of Tim Duncan, Mm. Allen Iverson, and, you know, all on my wall. And, you know, as I look back, you know, you kind of, you kind of think and be like, oh, there's a reason why I am where I am today because, you know, when I was younger, I had a vision. You know, people put vision boards up, you know, like, Mm. and I had my own vision board, which I didn't even know it was a vision board. And, yeah, like, when you think about it, like, you don't, you don't really see how valuable that is until, like, you know, you look back. Mm-hmm. But, like, as I, as I was going through it, I don't know why I was so, like, obsessed with <laughs> – I'm, like, literally obsessed with basketball. <laughs> like, I would go from – I would work out 6 a.m. Before, before, um, before school. Before school. Go to school. Um, then after school, have practice. So, like, I remember my teachers used to be, like, uh, Phil has problems of staying awake in school. Uh, and little did they know, I was, like, up early, like, working out. You with know. your brother or no, by yourself? No, with my, my high school coach. My, okay. um, this is, like, my uh, my junior year. Okay, so your school. brother was gone. Yeah. yeah, my brother was gone. Yeah. So, yeah, mm-hmm. like, I'm in school, like, dozing off, like, mm-hmm. like try, trying to stay awake. And, you know, it's all... Um, like I, I'll go back to my high school and I talk to my teachers and, you know, they would, you know, make fun and laugh and stuff, but it it all came from a good place because they understood, you know, my passion and my drive for what, what I really wanted. So Mm -hmm. it all, you know, it's all good. And as you were young, um, was your family having to move around a lot because your dad Mm -hmm. was coaching? Um, I'm curious, like how, looking from the outside, I think about that must have been difficult. Yeah, very difficult. But I mean, for my sister, uh, my oldest sister, she was, I think it might be more difficult for maybe girls or women to move around. I don't know. I don't know how you are. I don't know. I, I've lived in the same place my whole life. Yeah. I've never moved. Yeah, because when we first moved from um, San Antonio, I was born in San Antonio, Texas. I lived there for nine years and then I moved to Orlando, Florida. Okay. So my Disneyland, sister, yeah, exactly, Disney World. Exactly. That's exactly what I said. That's exactly what I said. Um, you were excited about yeah, that. Yeah, I move. was. I was so. I was. I was. Like I was so happy. My uh, sisters, though, they took it very tough because you know they had they're, they're older, so they're right. They were fifteen. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they're right know? in the age. So they of... have friends. They have friends and stuff, and they kind of. But for me, I like we're going to Disney World. Like let's let's go. Like I'm ready. Um, but. You know, there's a there's a saying. You know, they say, you know, when they say the strongest survive, mm-hmm. it, I think it's like the um, most adaptable. 
survive, you know? Yep. And I kind of learned that at a young age is, like, wherever I go, you know, speak to people, you know, make as many friends as possible um, because you never know when you're going to be in Minnesota. You know, I know if I go to Minnesota now, <laughs> I know who to hit up, where should I go eat, you mm-hmm. know? So I have friends in San Antonio, Orlando, Boston, um, everywhere, you mm-hmm. know? So, and now I have friends in Spain. <laughs> I got friends in Turkey. Um, so whenever, it's always, you know, it's tough. It's very hard to move around. But, you know, looking in hindsight, you'd be like, wow, I have all these people that I know in these different places. And if I'm ever in trouble, if, if I'm ever in need, uh, if I ever get a job, you know, I know somebody can mm-hmm. take care of me. So, you know, like I said, it's, it's good for me. But my sisters took it very hard. Yeah. Um, all right. So then you, you get through high school. You become uh, probably a top recruit, I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. And uh, all these colleges are sending you letters. They're calling your house. I'm assuming it helped that your dad had probably gone through a similar process mm-hmm. when he was young because I've done interviews with people who come from families that aren't exactly. basketball players or exactly. that aren't even from the United States and all of a sudden they're having to go through this recruiting process. It's hard enough when you kind of understand how it's going to be, let alone when you don't. So um, how was that process for you and uh, how did you end up deciding on Missouri? Um, my Yeah, my parents, my dad... Like we spoke before, he he played in college, mm-hmm. but he came from a you know very tough situation. Um, he starts the, you know, like I said, he paved the way. So everything that he went through, he learned for the first time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and same with my mom. Um, so when I came up and going through you know high school, college. Uh, you start getting letters and you know all that. I remember my mom; she didn't let me look at any letters until, like, I think it was my junior year. Hmm. So I had all these letters, like all these offers at ninth grade. But she I wanted to keep you yeah, humble, focused. She wanted focused. to keep me focused or whatever. Um, so by the time I was a junior or senior, I was kind of, you know, a little bit more mature. Nowadays, these kids are on Instagram talking to coaches and you know getting all this information so early. And, you know, I think it's 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 hard for them. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't, like, blame it on the kids. But because this is the world that, you know, I think, was it our generation that we made? Is, is that is that how it goes? Uh, like, we're making them. We're making their, yeah, their, basically. their world pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, my parents made it very, very easy for me. And then, I, like I said, I had an older sister mm. uh, who played at Cal Berkeley. So she went through the same thing I went through. Mm-hmm. Um, then my brother went through the same thing. So, you know, for me, it was like a cakewalk mm-hmm. for my mom. So my dad is kind of like how I am, um, with my wife. Like you got it. You, you handle it. If you need my help, I'm here. Okay. But if you got it, you got it. So that's how my mom, she's like a, you know, superwoman. you know, she's doing everything Okay. T- till this day, you know, <laughs> till this day, you know, I'm 28 years old and my mom, she's putting her input in a lot. Uh-huh. You know, I appreciate it. You're you the know. youngest, right? Yeah, I'm the youngest. So, my, so you're, you know, my, you're her last one. My wife, my <laughs> wife, she's very, you know, like, oh, your mom does this. But she doesn't understand. Like, my mom, she comes from a good place. Hmm. Like, she's not going to want to, um, like, put too much in. But she's going to let let you know that, you know, I've been there before. You know, everything that I'm doing now, mm-hmm. they it's kind of like a repeat of what they're doing. So that's why, you know, I respect you know everything she you know she says has she been out to visit in barcelona or yeah. madrid or turkey yeah, they came they came to barcelona but okay. you know my dad is he's working now like my coach that i had in missouri mike uh-huh. anderson uh him and my dad went to college together okay so i mean that's probably a reason why i went to <laughs> but um, perhaps yeah, exactly um <laughs> but they're working together now at st john's university okay. so my dad's working now, so he has a job, which is, you know, a blessing, but I would love to have him come out here. But, you mm-hmm. know, right now it's tough because they're in season. Mm-hmm. Um, during college, what did you think as far as balancing academics and athletics? I mean, it's a step up from high mm-hmm. school. Um, you have to maintain a minimum GPA yeah. in order to play. Um, 
was that difficult for you? Was did it feel like a lot? I mean, I'm sure your freshman year was pretty overwhelming mm-hmm. for like it is for most. Yeah. Uh yeah, it was for me, no. I've always had some type of innate uh ability to like figure things out. Okay. And like when I first got to college, like I went to a private school, uh Episcopal School of Dallas. It's in North Dallas. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's a top school. So, like, they prepare you for college. And, like, I really don't, you know, when you're young, you don't really understand, like, what you're doing until you've done it. And as I go through high school, I get to college and, like, a lot of the situations and the papers I'm writing and all that, like, I've been doing in my senior year in high school. Mm -hmm. So, it it was a little bit easier. And, you know, I have a bad problem of procrastinating you know which a lot of people I think do have <laughs> and then I know when to turn it on like I turn it on like when I need to do it but you know I wish you know when I have kids I'm gonna make sure that you know whatever my mom was telling me that I'm you know telling them because mm-hmm. it makes it so much easier you know when you're in middle school and you know high school and you really you know apply yourself mm-hmm. And it's just going to make college easier. Right. You which, form those habits. Exactly. And... Which what my mom was trying to get me to do, but I wasn't listening because I was so, like I said, obsessed with basketball. Mm-hmm. Like I was like, school, I don't, yeah, I don't need school. I don't need school. But, you know, education, you know, makes life so much easier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you might not get a million dollar job or making a hundred million dollars or whatever it is, but it makes life easier. Mm-hmm. And that's what we, you know. I think kids and, you know, people in our generation fail to understand is education is not about making $100 million. It's about making life easier. And, you know, if I would have did that when I was younger, you know, I mean, now I'm doing I'm doing pretty well. But, you know, as I read and I learn more every single day, mm-hmm. I'm like, man, if I would have, you know, studied a little bit more, right. you know, like history class, if I would have paid attention, I would know more about Spain. Mm-hmm. You know, I would know more about, you know, these, you know, in geography class, you know, you, you really because you never think you're going to go to right. Spain. Mm-hmm. Never. When you're six years old, seven, you never think you're going to go. And that's why I'm, to this day I'm telling my sister, your kids, make sure you teach them another language, you know. Yeah. As hard as it may be, but make sure you teach them because you never know. I never thought. You never I'd, thought. I never thought yeah. I'd be using my Spanish on a daily basis. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, and... You just you just never know. So I try to, you know, as as we should, you know, whatever our parents have told taught us, you know, we try to relay it on to, you know, the next generation. Mm-hmm. So. All right. So now I have a, a little bit more difficult question for you, because I think from what I read mm-hmm. that your junior year of college, you mm-hmm. decide to enter the draft. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming that means that you didn't finish your senior oh, yeah. year. Um, what goes through your mind and how do you prepare to make a decision like that because from what you're telling me about your mom I'm sure she was pretty involved oh yeah that's, um, perfect question. that's not a hard question <laughs> and I'm just curious and obviously in your family education was important you went to really good schools um to make that decision what what goes through an athlete's mind I've never been in that position mm-hmm. so you never know what you would do until you are in that position but um yeah tell me about that a little bit I mean for me it's like I go to from middle school, I like master middle school, and when it comes to basketball, I master. Oh, it's high school now. I got to start freshman year of high school. I'm I want to start on varsity basketball. I get to college. Uh, I want to be one year. I want to leave like right away because you know my my main goal since I was like I told you when I was younger, I had the vision board. Tim Duncan, I, it's NBA. That's like all I'm thinking. You mm-hmm. know. I'm literally obsessed, um, but um, as I my junior year in college, you know, when I went to make that decision, um, my mom respected that decision, but she said one thing: "Promise me you'll finish your degree." Hmm. And you know, right now I'm taking classes. <laughs> you know, I, I've been taking like one class a semester for the uh-huh. past like four years, and I should finish if everything goes how fall this fall of 2020 okay so you know she'll get her you know her promise but you know it was 
for me, it wasn't a tough decision because that's like, you know, my dream, my goal, uh-huh. my passion, my, I keep saying my obsession and, you know, that's like, you know, my, my decision and, you know, I don't, I don't regret it at all. Mm-hmm. What's your major or what did, what do you want to study? Uh, my major, you know, when you're in college, you know, they try to figure out the fastest way, you know, so it's general studies. Okay. Um, but I just literally, my academic advisor I had, she just signs me up for classes. I don't, I know. I don't tell her like what, this is what, cause I'm you know, like I'm an open book, like whatever you give me, I'm going to try to like. I'm going to read it and try to, like, learn something about it. And I've been doing that. And every single time she gave uh, signed me up for a class, I've enjoyed it. Like, mm-hmm. I've learned something about it. So, you know, it's, it's it's going pretty well, though. Yeah. Well, and it's also interesting just how much we change as people mm-hmm. from when you were your 18-year-old exactly, self to yeah. now you're 28. A decade later, your interests, mm-hmm. um, what, you know, what motivates you, yeah. what you really want to learn about. Um so, but I think that's that's great that you're still taking classes, and I can imagine it can be difficult because you're mm-hmm. practicing twice a day a lot of times. Uh, you're exhausted physically mm-hmm. and mentally to continue uh, taking classes. Yeah. Is uh, yeah. I, I commend you for that. I mean, we have so much time, you know. We just time wait, off. We just yeah, we just waste a lot of it. You know, they say if time is uh, you know our most precious thing we have, why do we waste so much of it? Mm-hmm. So, you know, in the morning, that's the day, that's the time where I try to, like, dominate is the morning. Okay. You know, I try to knock out all my, you know, my, if I want to read something, I try to get my reading in. I try to get my class done. Right now, I'm practicing my Spanish. Yeah. Um, you know, just something quick, like 30 minutes a day, you know. I don't try to do two hours, you know. I think that's, you know, almost impossible to do every single day. Mm-hmm. You know, I try to read for 10 minutes a day. That's it. I don't. That's why I try to get people to understand. You don't have to read for five hours a day. You just do 10 minutes a day. Every single day, you know, you'll see yourself, you know, grow so mm-hmm. much more. Um, like I said, I try to watch film for basketball. I try to watch a game of the team we're playing every single morning. Um, you know, to start my day off pretty good. So, mm-hmm. And then when it comes to practice and all that, when I'm tired, I don't have to think about, oh, dang, do I have to do this? Do I have to do my class? It's already been done. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, I think that's a great message, and I like hearing you say that um, because you add up those little bits every single day, and oh, yeah. it's way more than than what you would think. Because yeah. so. I'll tell you, people try to, they try to do so much. Like, I want to do this, I want to do that, I want to do this, I want to do that. No, just do a little bit. If you do a little bit every single day, you'll start to build good habits. Mm-hmm. And before you know it, you'll be like, dang, I went from reading 10 minutes to 30 minutes. You know, so just start a little bit, not even 10, five minutes, you know, two mm-hmm. minutes, just open it. Every day is open it, just open a book, open a book, <laughs> open a book. Before you know it, you'll build, you know, good habits. Yep. So. All right. So you, you enter the draft. Um, I don't, I don't want to like put my fingers into a, a wound here, but mm-hmm. you weren't drafted. Yeah. Right. Um, the years after that, then. I was, you know, reading about you on Wikipedia and whatnot. Mm-hmm. What's it like going from the, is it the developmental league? Mm-hmm. And then they call you up and they say, hey, an NBA team, they give yeah. you a 10 day contract. And then you do your 10 days and they say, okay, we're going to give you another 10 days. And then after that 10 days, maybe you're back down in the DL and mm-hmm. then you're in a different state and another state and you're going up and down and up and yeah. down and changing states. How do you maintain your focus? How do you maintain your your motivation, your belief in yourself, um, it can't be easy. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I went undrafted, you know, but, you know, I have a, a great agent um, who about, this is our seventh year together. Um, okay. He got me on a, on the Celtics, you know, like after, then I was probably just, I probably cried like four times. When I lost that game, I could four times in your life that besides I can, sixth grade. <laughs> yeah, that, that I can remember. That I can remember. Um, that was one um, when we lost my sophomore year to Norfolk State. Kind of thing. Was that in the NCAA tournament or something or what? Yeah, NCAA tournament. Okay. My sis, uh, my uh, mom's sister when she passed. That's three. My uh, grandmother when she passed. That's four. And five so when my these these ones I can remember I probably cried more but these are one these ones I can very I can remember and then when I didn't get drafted I remember like we were, I was in I was walking around the house like waiting 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 
and it didn't happen. But then right after, this Danny Ainge of the Celtics, you know, he called me, you know, and offered me, like, you know, guaranteed money. Uh, so, you know, that's what happened right after. So I kind of, you know, picked myself back up. And I, fig- I figured it out, and I ended up making the Celtics playing with them for two years. And then I went from from there going to uh, – then they, they didn't pick up my contract after my second year. And, you know, that's and that's when the development league started. I went from there. Then this uh, – I was in Boise, Idaho, mm-hmm. which is – <laughs> I've never been to Idaho. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but I had, like I said, I had a good time there. You know, I made friends there. You know, I made people that I talked to to this day there. Um, I had a good time. Like I said, it's not the strongest that survive. It's the one who who can adapt. Right. Um, so yeah, and then the Sixers called me. So I was like, Philadelphia. Excited. Yeah, I'm in Philly. I'm excited. You know, two months I'm there. Then they cut me. Then I go to back to Boise. So, you know, I'm back in the cold snow, Boise, Idaho. And then the Suns called me. So mm-hmm. I'm in Phoenix, Arizona. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, one of the best places to be if you're in the NBA. Um, just because of the temperature or the, the temperature, weather or what? It's just a great, you know, just a good vibe. Okay. But they're not winning, so I guess it can't be <laughs> that good. But um, And then they don't, they don't, I play with them for the rest of the year. Um, then the next year I was in the D League the whole year with I started training camp with the Warriors. Um, then they cut me, sent me to their D League. So I played with them for the whole year. Um, but it's just a, a constant, you know, for me, uh having to prove yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's you know, something that I became, you know, immune to. Um, that's why now for me it's so hard. Like, after games and stuff, when we lose, you know, I want to cry. You know, I want to be, you know, upset. But I'm, like, immune to it. Hmm. For me, it's not about, like, you know, crying and trying to be sad. It's For me, it's trying to figure out how I'm going to get out of, you know, the situation I'm in. Mm-hmm. Because there's always a way. There's always a way. Where there's a problem, you know, you can fix it. And one of the things, I, you know, I kind of live by is not, let's not talk about who spilled the milk, you know. Let's talk about who's going to clean it up. So that's like, you know, a constant, constant thing that I've been, you know, going through since my whole career. And it's it's been tough, but, you know, for me, th- this is this is basketball. This is, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're going to go out every day and you're going to mm-hmm. put pull up your bootstraps you and work hard because that's to. just what you do. You uh, you understand. Like, <laughs> you know, if you're an athlete, you know, it's in life in general. Mm-hmm. Like, you you understand that it's not about, you know, how many times you fell. You know, it's about how many times you can get up and, you know, keep mm-hmm. keep going. So in every situation, you know, there's a, there's a lesson to be learned. Yeah. So when did you start thinking about playing overseas? Uh, right after my fourth year, you know, Barcelona called and, you know, my agent was like, this is an opportunity, you know, that you, you know, you have to take. And he knew it would be it would be tough for me coming straight from you know NBA to to Europe because it's completely different basketball, mm-hmm. especially from a point guard standpoint. It's just completely different, and you know that first year for me was was difficult. But you know it's it's a situation that he knew it was going to be tough, but he knew the living and all that was going to be good. So it kind of balanced each other out. Mm-hmm. And that's why I respect him because, you know, two years later, I asked, like, dang, why did he send me there? That's, like, a tough place to play. You know, it's one of the best teams. It's the best team, but, you know, good teams, you know, high standards come with, you know, high results. So, you know, now I understand because he knew the some of the adversity you were going to face. And if you're facing that in <laughs> – in, in a different country. In Russia, and it's, you get what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. You, you're going you're gonna to take it a little bit more, you know, tough because you don't have family. You don't have friends out there. Um, your, your family's on a nine, eight-hour time difference. So when you're up, they're sleeping. When you're sleeping, they're awake. So you're not talking to your family and friends. Right. So, you know, um, yeah, it was it was tough, but I had a lot of fun in Barcelona. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Did you get to see the sights and oh, yeah. walk down Las Ramblas yeah, and see that. Sagrada Familia? Yes, and... I saw, I've seen a lot, you know, that my family, friends would never see. So, mm-hmm. and it's kind of hard to explain. I'm like, you guys have to leave the country. Like, you have to. Yeah. That's like a, a must. Like, don't waste your money on going to Vegas. <laughs> you understand? <laughs> you should come out, come out to Valencia, you know, see Valencia or go to Malaga. Yeah, and it would change your your outlook on everything because, you know, when we, like I said, when we were younger, we never thought we were gonna come across, you know, the water. It's, it's a far, far distance. Mm-hmm. But you know, now that we're here, you know, you say you, your husband is he's Spanish. Like, come on, you yeah. never thought you <laughs> never you never would have thought never. that never. Like, and know? he never, he never would have exactly. thought he'd be with an American exactly speaking so. English. No, exactly. no, no. So you know, it's a. Um, <laughs> as as big of a world this is, is I think it's small. Like it's if, becoming yeah, exactly. smaller it's becoming, and smaller. It's becoming yeah. so small because it's so small. easy. Small. We actually have somebody in common. We, we, you played with Chris Humphreys. Oh, yeah, yeah. He Chris went to Humphreys. high school oh, with me. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. He's one year older than I am. Yeah, but huh. when I saw that on, I don't know, Wikipedia or what, I was yeah. like, oh, my gosh, we do have someone in common. That's crazy. Yeah, we, me, me, we call him Hump. Uh, <laughs> but me and Chris, we got a good good little connection. Um, uh-huh. We kind of, over the, the years that we played together, we had a good, you know, I don't know what it was. You know, just some people you kind of like. He's from to. Minnesota. He's a good yeah, guy, yeah, you know. Yeah. Like he, he's very, very sarcastic, you know. But you know, he's a he's a smart, smart man, and you know, he comes from a good place, you mm-hmm. know. Um, but yeah, I still talk to him. You know, I'll hit him up every now and then, even though he doesn't hit me up. I'll hit him <laughs> up. That's how my life is. People don't. People don't. People don't hit me up. You know, I check on them. You know, are you okay? Like, how's everything going? Um. Because, you know, we have all this technology and all this yeah. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. It's easy. But it's yeah, so, people it still easy. don't communicate, <laughs> you know? Hmm. Like Not face-to-face face, hardly yeah, ever, face, or face call. Face, or a call, like, mm-hmm. you know? Like, how do people, like, 20 years ago, like, have more communication than we do? I know. Like, some of your friends, you won't talk to them for weeks. Like, how? How is that possible? Like, for me, it's, 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 it's just a a weird um problem that we have that we have all this communication and we can't communicate right but what type of communication you know like is it worthwhile communication is it it meaningful yeah is it meaningful or is it just you know well sure yeah i call like i'll call people you know even if they don't pick up i'll call them (laughs) you'll just keep calling yeah i'll call them or if they don't pick up three days later i'll call them again but I You're guess. a good friend to have. Yeah, I guess that's that's just who I am. But you know, I, I because you never know what somebody's going through. You know, you never know. Yeah, I gotta give them the benefit of the doubt because yeah, that happens. And then you find out, oh, they didn't call me back because this happened. You yeah, know, you never, so. you never. And so, I don't care. I don't take it personal at all. So then, after Barcelona, then you go to Turkey. Turkey, yeah. So culturally, I'm assuming that must have been quite a difference, quite a change from Spain and obviously from the States. Mm-hmm. Uh, what can you tell me about that? Because I've never been there. Yeah. Um, it's a... Food, clothing. It's a 180. Like religion. Looking, yeah, 180. It's a 180. Your whole life is flipped. But, you know, like I said, you learn. You learn and you learn to adapt to your, you know, your environment. And... What yeah. cu- what city were you in? I was in Istanbul. Oh, so, you know I was. It's a great. That's city. a place on yeah, my list that I want to go, and I yeah, haven't been should. yet. You should like during the the fall and during the summers are like, you know, it's no better place. Like, it's it's a it's a lovely lovely city, um, but yeah, I had a good time. Um, I had me and my wife, my two dogs. Oh. I would never do that again. If I ever play in Turkey, I would never bring my dogs. I mean, uh, maybe to Istanbul. Because, because it of was the like, noise? No, not the noise. They uh. have so many, like, stray dogs out there. Ah. Uh. Stray dogs and stray cats. So My dog's never seen cats before. <laughs> like, one of them, my oldest dog, he's a husky. He's five now. What's his name? Chavo. Chavo. Yeah, and then my uh, lab, Silver Lab, he's three. He's three, and um, <laughs> and his name is his name is Baxter. Baxter, okay. So they've never seen cats before. Like they've probably seen one cat, and that was like 
by accident. Like we <laughs> just saw the cat. But we go. I'm, I'll show you pictures after. We go to Istanbul and there's cats literally everywhere. Mm. I'm talking about and behind our apartment. There's probably like fifteen. There's like fifteen twenty um, cats that live behind our apartment. Uh huh. And not like just like regular like little kittens and big just, alley cats or yeah, what? No, there's like two two cats like you know regular size, but they have kittens and they're just like everywhere. And my dogs just go crazy. Like we can't even take them on walks because mm. you know they see the dogs. They're like, like going at the cats and <laughs> yeah, that was that was Bar- We had them in Barcelona. Uh, our dogs in Barcelona, which was perfect. You know, Barcelona is like a dog friendly city. Uh-huh. Well, Spain in general, I think a yeah, ton yeah. of people have dogs. Exactly, Istanbul was it was it was tough because hmm. you go so- on walks and there's stray dogs. You know, yeah. <laughs> you don't know what the, the stray dog is like. You know, gonna come at or you or. But no, most of those dogs are like kind of, uh, what do you call? Docile? Socialized. Okay. Socialized dogs because mm-hmm. they see so many people. But you know, if they see a, like I kind of think they would know if those dogs aren't, <laughs> like they see my dog. Like, oh, do you, I wonder if they say, "Oh, those dogs from America." Those like, dogs are different. Yeah, those dogs. Are, <laughs> yeah, those dogs are. Like, what neighborhood are they from? Exactly. That's that's what I think. So you know, it was tough to kind of take them on walks and stuff. But and your husky, he's big enough that he had to go under the plane. Yeah, they had to go. Yeah, it was tough. Both of them. Both mm. of them had to go under the plane. It was it was tough. You know, it's a long journey. But my dogs have seen. <laughs> <laughs> my husky's had. My husky has seen more of the world than than the majority of people of in the world. U.S. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. He's been in. He's he been speaks in, multiple languages. Yeah, he's, been in, he's been in Texas. He's been in Boston. He's been in Spain. And he's been in Turkey. Wow. And now he's in. He's with my aunt now in uh, D.C. Okay. Yeah. So that dog has seen you know <laughs> a lot of the world. And your uh, your experiences playing was the basketball really different between. Spain and Turkey. Turkey? Um, um, I mean, I'm assuming your teams are yeah. pretty international, mm-hmm. but as far as the style of play, yeah, the style of play is different. You know, Turkey's more. Uh, they have more foreigners and more like, hmm. um, I don't know, Spain. I think ACB is the best league. Okay. In Europe. Behind the NBA or right? Oh underneath? yeah, yeah. I mean, that's in Europe. The NBA is not even. Right, but it would be NBA then ACB. Do you think? NBA Euro League, of course. Okay. And yeah. Then ACB. I, in my opinion, um, the ACB, you know, you have so many teams that, you know, in this league, everybody beats everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, while they beat them, or while they beat them, uh, in Turkey, you really don't, you don't have that. You have okay. the top teams, you know. And, and you your coach, did he speak in English? Was it all in English in Turkey? Oh, no, we had Dusko. He was another. All my coaches have been Serbian. Oh, really? Dusko, he's with um, Basconia now. Okay. So he spoke English, Spanish, Italian, French, a little bit of like everything. Wow. Which is impressive, you know. Mm-hmm. And it kind of makes you, you know, like I said, respect somebody who, who's willing to mm-hmm. learn those languages. You, you don't have to learn. If you're a coach, you don't have to learn a language. But if you're able to do that, that means you're aware of mm-hmm. your surroundings, your environment. And you're able to connect with and a lot of different players. Exactly, yeah. Which is appreciated. His, his English, you know, was pretty good, you know. But that's like I said, if somebody's English is bad, or that means they know another, another language. You know, if, if you get you know what I'm saying, if their Spanish is bad, if I'm trying to speak Spanish and you can understand me and it's just okay, that means I know another language. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you got to kind of respect somebody who's mm-hmm. trying. Give them credit, yeah. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. So now you're in Madrid for the first time. One of the first things you said to me, uh, I don't remember if it was in the weight room, but we didn't even know each other. And you mm-hmm. were just like, how do you know Spanish so well? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, who is this ACB guy <laughs> asking me a question? Like he's interested in in me. You yeah. know, this is and that just showed that you you are a learner and mm-hmm. you want to learn and you don't care if it's from somebody who's above you, below you, right mm-hmm. next to you. Um, and I appreciated that. But um, Spanish is a great language to learn. Mm-hmm. And I, I you know, commend you on your Rosetta Stone because <laughs> Rosetta, yeah. I think in the world, what is it? Chinese, English, and Spanish yeah. maybe are the three top languages. Yeah, Mandarin. Mm-hmm. But I think they have so many people. So that's mm-hmm. pretty, I'm pretty sure that's why they're 
you know, the top. But yeah, I'm, for me, I know everybody in this, you know, this world that we're in, we're all just trying to, you know, be, we have compassion. We want other people to do well. And I don't look at it just as basketball or education, teaching, or whatever it is. Whatever you may do, you're a lawyer, doctor, whatever you, whatever you are. I just know we're all trying to, you know, better ourselves and, mm-hmm. you know, get through this, you know, life in a, you know, a good, a good way. So that's why I speak to people. Like I don't feel like I'm above anyone. I don't feel like I'm below anybody. I just know, you know. We're all equal, and we're, when we all want, we all want to do good, you know. Mm-hmm. Like with my teammates, if my teammates is trying to score or they're shooting or doing something that I don't like, I know they come from a good place. I know they they want to do well, you know. They're trying to better themselves, you know. So that's that's a big I think problem that we have is people think that oh I need to do this or comparing themselves to this person, comparing themselves. I think we just need to, no don't compare yourself to somebody. Compare yourself to somebody who has less than you. And if you compare yourself to somebody who has less than you, it'll put your, you know, your view and outlook things, you know, in perspective. And Mm -hmm. you'll see how good you got it because I don't care how bad your situation, somebody probably has it worse. Mm -hmm. So, Yeah, I think um, as professional athletes, sometimes people might look at you and they might think, uh, he's just genetically a freak Mm -hmm. or he just this and that. But um, when I was looking at you on the internet, you mm-hmm. know, I saw a couple of videos out there and it looks like you really take care of yourself. Yeah. Um, I don't know what your your daily diet is, but um, oatmeal, you know, oh, yeah. uh, fruits that. and vegetables, all that stuff. Uh, you work out, you, I've never done it, but what's that thing called that you put yourself in like a cold? Oh, the cryo, cryo chamber. Yeah. Um, yeah, all that. I just try to just... Right, you're just investing in yourself yeah, and I, trying I try, to I, be the best you can be. I'm not perfect. I don't try to live a perfect life. You know, I just try to, you know, every now and then I try to eat an apple instead of, a, <laughs> you know, a candy bar. Uh-huh. But I still do eat, I'll eat a candy bar, you know, very rarely I'll eat one. You know, I'll try to eat a salad instead of, you know, chicken fingers, you know. Mm-hmm. But I still do eat chicken fingers. Right. But it's like I just usually try to make the best choice every single day. If you can, you know, like they say, an apple a day keeps the doctor away. And I don't think it's because of a health choice or anything. I think it's because of that decision that you chose to eat an apple instead of a candy bar. And that one simple decision, like we just said, that little that little detail, you mm-hmm. know, those, those add up. You know, if you find yourself eating an apple a day, you'll see, wow, if I can eat an apple, maybe I should eat some uh, blueberries. You know, mm-hmm. And it kind of just build those good habits. Um, right. And then you don't even think about it because it becomes a habit yeah, and it's exactly. easy. It's a ritual. Mm-hmm. But like I like I love food. I just try to eat good food most of the time. And then right. if I go out to eat, I can have something that's not as healthy mm-hmm. because of my choices that I've been making daily, weekly. You yep. know, I have I have that option to do that. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Um, all right. A couple of random questions. Are you superstitious at all? Do you have like yeah. things you do before games or anything I like try. that? I try. Like I try to be superstitious. <laughs> you try. Like, <laughs> like, like I, it's something you think you should do, yeah, and so you try to do it. Know, we're, we're in a we're in a, a lifestyle where something's working. You try to continue that same way, same way, same way. Um, I try to do it. It's just for me, it's just so tough. I don't think I'm superstitious. Um, I don't know. Like, do I do this? 15 minutes before the game, 20 minutes. But I've been in a situation, like, every single year, like, my situation, I mean, I was two years in Boston. And those, for two years, I can ha- I can build a routine. I'm going to go out before the game, shoot, be- whatever it is. And then after those two years, every single situation mm-hmm. I've been in, it's changed. Right. Like, 90, we get to a game 90 minutes before, 80 minutes before. Um, am I going to eat this before a game? Or I'm going to eat that. I'm in a different area. I don't know where to go get that food or... Um, my sleep time is different. Um, we play mm-hmm. this time. We play at that time. It's just for me. Then the it's been so difficult for me to like to build like a, a the same right. routine to do every single day. But what about I don't know what you eat before a game? Same socks, same yeah, underwear. Um, I don't know. Same. Maybe I need to start doing that. Okay. You just know, curious. When we if we went on Sunday. Uh, Sunday? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so if we went on Sunday, whatever I did, <laughs> maybe if I had the same socks, I might, I might not never wash the socks. I'm going to okay. try that. It might, it might be nasty, but 
If we win on Sunday, I'm going to keep those socks. And I'm not going to wash them until we lose. All right. Um, and then do you have any nicknames? What do your teammates call you on the court? Uh, I mean, here, no, I don't have any nicknames. But, I mean, when I was in college, they one of the coaches called me Flip, like F-L-I-P. Just okay. Flip. Um, and that playing like, off of Phil. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Playing off Phil, yeah. I mean, it was more like P H L I P, like flip, uh-huh. and that kind of. You know, in college, like if something hits the mark, it hits the social media world, they're gonna like just run with it. Right. And I saw something on my <laughs> when I was in college. It's they changed my name to Phil Flip Pressy. Uh-huh. Like, wow. <laughs> but you know, after college, like so, my my teammates still call me that. Um, and my college teammates they still mm-hmm. call me Flip. Um, but nicknames, nah. I mean, either Phil, my my mom called me Philip. Um, no, nah, I don't have any. Okay. And then, as an American, uh, I'm curious: is there ever anything specific you have to bring in your suitcase when you come over to seas to play? Uh, like specific food that you can't get here, or anything nah. like that? No, nah, I mean you learn that like when you first go overseas. You know, everybody's like, oh, make sure you bring this, make sure you bring that. No. Nah. And then you get to, you know, I get to Barcelona. That's why I said I've been blessed to go get to cities where, you know, you can get good food. Mm-hmm. So I haven't had to have that. I don't know. I never really brought my wife. She does that. She bring like <laughs> hot Cheetos. and. <laughs> That's totally what other people yeah, do too. Like, hot Cheetos. <laughs> and like for me, like, you know, like I figure people have been living in Barcelona, Spain for just for I'm 28 for my whole life and they haven't had any problems so i should be able to to get along without i mean my playstation i bring my playstation everywhere okay maybe that um but no nah, like food and all that i can't really think of anything that i i can't live without do you like to cook yeah i cook um i mean now my wife she goes back and forth so when she's here she does most of the cooking mm-hmm but when she leaves, I mean, I got to fend for myself. Um, but I, I can make the basic salmon, chicken, pasta, okay. vegetables. Do so, you have any favorite Spanish foods? I'm hoping they've taken Spanish you foods? out and they've, you know. Yeah, we, you know, you know, you get the paella and, you know. I'm not really a big seafood eater. Okay. Um, what about the ham? The ham, yeah. That's, uh, <laughs> the jamón. Jamón, yeah. That's the the staple here. Mm-hmm. The jamón is definitely go to. When my dad came, he was eating that like, like every single day, like candy. He was eating mm-hmm. it. Um, but that's just something that we don't have back at home. Um, okay, I'm changing directions here real quick, and it's kind of going to be the last one of the last questions of this interview. Um, you grew up in the States. You know the system in the States as far as mm-hmm. basketball and academics and whatnot. And this podcast is called Another Season in the Books, which kind of has a double meaning, you know? Yeah. Another season, another season. Okay. playing and studying or another season completed, yeah. you know? And um, I'm always interested in players who decide to leave Europe and go to the States because it's easier in the States to get your college degree mm-hmm. and to study at this or to play at the same time. Um, but you're well aware of players like Ricky Rubio, Luka Doncic, that are 12 years old, and they're getting the chance to play and see players that are in their 20s or in their exactly. 30s. Yeah. Um, if you could have chose, like looking back, if you could choose which system you'd want to grow up in, I mean, mm-hmm. you're a bas- you're you're obsessed with basketball, yeah. so I'm kind of assuming which system you would choose, but. Do you know what I'm saying? Like yeah, I, I the differences agree. between the two and what you would prefer? Yeah, how you say, yo, yo, entiendo. <laughs> <laughs> Muy bien, pues cuéntame. Uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, I, that's a tough, tough thing because you know there's positives to both. You know, like if I could, you know, if I was a kid, I would love to choose basketball to play basketball at 12. You know, with until with grown men, with grown men, yeah, I would choose that 10 times out of 10. But, you know, we know how important education is. Um, like, the experiences you have in college or you remember it to them mm-hmm. until you, you're, in your, you're in your deathbed. You remember it. Um, that's, like, something that can't be replaced. Right, like kids the college are, experience. Yeah, kids are, like, missing out on. Um, like, high school, the experiences you had in high school, whether they're good or bad. Yeah, you know? Friday nights and yeah, everybody Friday, come to the game. Exactly, like, all that, all that, it's, that's what it's about, like, you want to make as much money like you want to 
play basketball. That's what you love. That's, you know, like if somebody wants to be a doctor, they're going to go to school for eight years to be a doctor. So why can't we do that in basketball? But some people, some kids are, are cheated on, you know, life, I think. Some guys are smart enough to, if they're good enough to leave high school and go play, they're, they're smart enough to get education as they're in, as they're in uh, playing professionally. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like some kids are just different. Like Luka Doncic is, is different, you know. He has that. One in a billion. Exactly. He has that ability to where he's going to get the his life lessons and all that because he's just on a different, you know, level. But some some kids aren't aren't and they're going to, you know, miss so much that they're going to wish that they took full advantage of. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, especially in America because our education is is free. And we you know we're in a world to where if we're not paying for something well, education is free. Yeah. High school, exactly. I guess. I mean, college is pretty expensive I compared mean, to Europe. I mean, it can be free if you apply yourself. <laughs> you know? What, if you get a scholarship? Yeah, if you get a scholarship. You can get a scholarship in so many different things. It doesn't have to be basketball. It doesn't have to be sports. Hmm. They have music scholarships. Academic scholarships, academic. yeah. Come on. <laughs> like, if you really apply yourself, you know, if you really want to do something, you can do it. But, you know, I mean, it's kind of tough sometimes because some kids don't have the 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 parents or the support system to kind mm-hmm. of put them there. But a lot of people do have that and they don't they don't make the best of the situation. Mm-hmm. But you can you can really you can really do it. Um, but like I was saying, um, I think it's a, a good a good a good good idea to let kids in America play. Uh, professionally younger, but it's still there's positive and negatives to it. Mm-hmm. What What do you think? Ah, uh, I don't know. It's uh, I appreciate the European system because it allows people like me who didn't get drafted into the WNBA exactly, to yeah. continue playing after college. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why I appreciate it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I absolutely loved my college experience. Yeah. Absolutely sure. loved it. And I didn't even play my first two years, but I finally got a chance to play my last two years, and it just made it that much sweeter. And waking up in the morning, walking to class, walking around campus, mm-hmm. being surrounded by all these other kids, going to the activities, living by myself in an apartment with my teammate mm-hmm. um, from but when I was 18, living in the dorms. I lived in the, the dorms, dorms, and a too. lot of times, I, I think the kids dorms, these yeah. days, they go st- straight into like a nice apartment. But I lived in a dorm shared it with a person that wasn't an athlete, um, you know, had that freshman year experience. And for people that are from Europe that they, they just don't know what that's like. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's a once in a lifetime experience. In America, we're in, in the mix. So we know what's going on. We know what school is good. We know what, uh, we, you know, Boise, Idaho, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're from Madrid, Spain, you don't know what Boise, Idaho is. Right. If they say, oh, yeah, there's a scholarship there. Yeah, it's in the Boise, Idaho. <laughs> you know, you go from living in Madrid to Boise, Idaho, and you're like, like, what is it? Yeah. I, I hate this situation. Shock. Exactly. So, you know, we know we had the opportunity. Um, but me personally, like, I I think that it's so important to, to be around kids your age and and grow and learn and try to to live this you know live this life to its fullest because if you if you're so focused on one thing you're going to be blind to what's going on around you Hmm. and that's I think that's the reason why I'm in Europe now is because I've been put in a situation to where I have to open up and learn and when I get back to the states and if I want to coach which I think I want to do um it's gonna make me a better coach. It's gonna make me a better person because I understand what's going on around the world. And there you have it. Perhaps we'll see Phil on the floor in the future as a coach instead of as a player. However, he's got quite a few years left to enjoy playing the sport that captured his whole being back in the sixth grade. Phil has dedicated the majority of his life to improving his game as a basketball player, but, He is still studying and he is on track to graduate and finish his college degree. It's evident that Phil enjoys learning, not just from books, but from people as well. And that's a big part of his message. 
Learning can take place anywhere and at any time. All we have to do is be open to the opportunity. Stay humble and continue to invest in yourself, whether it's on the court or off. One of my favorite things Phil said during this interview was his example of spilled milk. He said, let's not talk about who spilled the milk. Let's talk about who's going to clean it up. In other words, let's not talk about the problem. Let's find a solution and move on. A great message for all of us to tuck away and think about. And that's a wrap for this week. Thank you everyone for tuning in and listening to this week's episode on Another Season in the Books. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. And if you enjoyed the program, please let us know by rating us or by leaving a comment. Your support means a lot. I'm your host, Leslie Knight, wishing you a safe and healthy week.